When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coming up on today's episode, we take a look at the burning questions facing the Winnipeg Jets as they head into an uncertain offseason. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right into it here before we head into the weekend. Happy to be back at it once again and doing so. CJOB's Tyson Rewicki stopping by. Tyson, how are we doing today? Doing fantastic. First day on the links. Oh. oh, summer's summer's here. Summer's here. Oh, I gotta get out so badly. I gotta find a way. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it would be nice too to have like one golf round where it's not like forty five mile an hour winds. Don't think it's possible here in Winnipeg, and it's great too because it's always in your face no matter what direction you go in. But even today yeah. was pretty bad. It was pretty windy today. Yeah, I gotta get out there. I gotta find a way. I gotta find a way. Um, just finished watching the uh, the Leafs Panthers game to Florida. Oh, there's two fu- there's two things I want to you know before we talk about the Jets offseason and, and some important questions for them. There's there's two things that are kind of interesting to me about what's going on right now. Three things. First, um, Bob is in the zone right now. Uh oh, that's not good. Two, it would be hilarious if the Leafs find a new way to fail to win a round two game like they they hadn't advanced forever then they finally get through that they fail to win one like that 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 is legitimate if you're a leaf fan that's legitimately that's like monkey paw you know can we please get out of the first round sort of a thing do you, um do you think that one ra- that that would be enough though still like let's say they do get swept do you think like that's the one round <laughs> enough to save everyone i think it is <laughs> I think it. I think it is. But then they're right back to square one. The net. But I think like after that, then it's like you might have to win two rounds for everybody to keep their job. But we'll see. Still a lot of series left to go down. I mean, we saw New Jersey completely turn it around against the Rangers, losing two in a row at home there. So we'll we'll see what happens. Um, but the third thing, and we can. I, I guess there's two parts to this third one. So it's kind of a four parter. The Florida Panthers, are they almost kind of giving um, 2012 LA Kings vibes with the way they're starting to, to roll through? Yeah, a little bit. But most importantly and pertinent to the Winnipeg Jets, what do you make of Paul Maurice having success behind the bench in the postseason? 
after watching the Winnipeg Jets flame out in five against Vegas. Is, like, is there anything to this, or is it coincidental? I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. Like, I mean, whenever you're in the first year with a new coach, there's always that kind of honeymoon phase where it, it, it's easier to get your message across when it's a brand new season and a brand new team. But maybe you can look at the players, though, too. Maybe they just have a little bit more buy-in than uh, some, some other people that we know. And you see, like, there was a early, like, later on in the season, Paul Maurice ripped them to shreds off that disallowed goal. Oh, and right. That Wasn't that against Toronto, too? Yep, yep. And, you know, that might that kind of turned their season around from there. They ended up going on that huge run with line and net. And like you mentioned, when, when Sergei Bobrovsky's on his game, there is no goalie in the NHL better than him. And I will stand by that. He is so – he makes some of the most acrobatic saves – and he's just so dynamic. Like he's one of the most dynamic goalies in NHL history, almost besides Dominic Hasek, the way that he's able to push across and still manage to get square with shots. And he's just, there's he's Gumby-like, right? Like yeah, just, him, him and Quick are just like athletic freaks. Exactly. And yeah, when, when Bob's on, Florida's a tough team to beat. And Matthew Tachuk too, like top five. Is he top five player? Well, I, I, got, I got some takes on, I got some takes on this series. Um, I guess let's start with the Paul Maurice thing first. I think it's coincidental. I, I don't think I don't think if he was behind the bench in Winnipeg, we would see the Jets playing like this in round two. You know what I mean? I think it's just quite simply he's he's got a different set of personnel out there in Florida. And I mean, realistically, if you follow any of their analytics over the course of the season, it's an eight seed masquerade or sorry it's a top seed masquerading as an eight seed like they were one of the most dominant teams in all of hockey this year just like they were the previous season not as much luck this season as opposed to last year so I think the the personnel that he's got out there right now is just let's call it what it is just better than what we see in Winnipeg right now but he is I mean look he's you're right he's getting them to to buy in and they forecheck like madmen I mean it's it's awesome to watch they play they play really, really aggressive, and I'm sure Paul Maurice would have loved to have his forward skate like that in Winnipeg. It just wasn't always the case. Um, but I think it does speak to some of the problems in personnel as opposed to, you know, Maurice was screwed over here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think Maurice, sure. there, were, there were enough issues with the Maurice tenure um, to say that, you know, the, the team needed to part ways with him. But he's always been a pretty nice guy. Like, I've always enjoyed talking to him. I kind of root for him. He's great with the media and all that. So I got no problem with Florida making a bit of a run here and and seeing the Panthers go deep. But as far as takes go, Tyson, Matthew Kachuk, top five all. I mean, yeah, you might be right. I I will go down on this, and this is going to be probably blazing hot, especially considering the series is 2-0. I think Mitch Marner is the best winner in hockey. Wow. he's he, He gets so much shit earmuffs kids but like he gets he gets so much crap because of the contract and everything like that but you're you're talking about a guy that is he puts up as many points as any winger in the league and offensively might have the best intuition of any winger in the league and he's going to be a selkie nominee this year on top of it kills penalties plays like 24 minutes a night like kachuk's crazy he's crazy but like those those are the two best wingers in the game but if you were asking me to, like, I can choose any winger to build my team with, I think I'd go with Mitchie Boy. Mitchie Palooza. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with either, right? Like, it's it's kind of like, do you want the more offensively inclined player, a guy that's got the best hockey IQ that we've seen for in a while, or do you want that little chippy grittiness attitude added to a super skilled player, right? Like, it's just, it depends on the person. There's really no wrong answer when you're picking between those two. But yeah, it's a, it is going to be an interesting debate, especially since they're going to be division rivals for the next however many years to come. We'll pick one. I'm going to, ah, man. I'm going to go with Dichak. Yeah, wrong answer. That's fine. Just kidding. He's he's pretty awesome. (laughs) He's pretty, I mean, I wasn't a fan of the Uyghur-Huberto return that Florida gave up there, but I was wrong. That was worth it. That was very, very worth it. Yeah, he's he's a stud. I, yeah, I think there's a legitimate case too, like best American player, Kachuk or Austin Matthews. Like, I mean, he's there's no doubt about it that he's one of the rare wingers that like transcends the position and is as valuable as as a centerman. Both both he and Marner. Um, I got a feeling this series still has a decent amount to go, though. I I, I don't think we're uh, I don't think we're going to see a four or five gamer here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be shocked if we see this one become a best of three after the trip out there to Florida. Um, but Bob, Bob being um, Columbus Blue Jackets, Bobrovsky is becoming a bit of a problem for the Maple Leafs okay. here. So they, they might want to try to figure that one out. Um, another question I might ask too, Tyson, is is, uh, is Bobrovsky a Hall of Famer? I think so. I think I, so too. And I feel like everybody would scoff at that. But he's got two two Vesnas, right? Two Vesnas, 300 plus wins. Maybe a Florida like dare I say, wins the Stanley Cup. That's like the official stamp of approval. But like he has been crazy good for a crazy long time. I don't and I don't even think it's a question either. Like I really, in my opinion, I really don't think that it's even a question. He Like you look at that, those business that he won and then the season in between, like his peak is on par with and with any of the greats there. Like you can you compare him to Lundqvist when his like, it's just when you're looking at guys who were t- at the top of their position, and they w- have dominant award-winning seasons. I think it's that's a, that applies highly into the Hall of Fame that you were the best of the best for an extended period of time. And he's, he's still got a ways to go too. Like it's not like he's this is like his last run here. Like he's still got. I'd I'd say he could probably still rack up another 70, 80, 100 wins like around there. And then all of a sudden you're kicking on the door of four hundred, and you've got two dominant business seasons. I think it's I think it's a lock. Yeah, anytime you get a guy like that, you got to bring Ilya Brzezgalov in to <laughs> solidify your goal. <laughs> but but if you if you don't think that Bobrovsky's a Hall of Famer, then that means neither is Carey Price. Ooh, I like it. Well, hey, we'll, we'll save the goaltending Hall of Fame talk for another show. But <laughs> I, I can get down with that. I like the I like the spiciness there, caliente. Um, Ten minutes in, let's get into the Jets now officially. Um, Player exit meetings, coaches exit meetings, GM exit talks. Everything's kind of done and dusted. The uh, the animosity maybe is watered down a little bit. Maybe. <laughs> At least people aren't as raging hot as they were earlier in the week here. So I thought before we kind of maybe officially kick our off-season preview into overdrive next week with maybe a little bit more specifics as to who stays, who goes, what's the order of business, yada, yada, yada. I thought we'd look at kind of some overarching questions here. 
um, before we kick into high gear, because let's face it, we've got um, about a month and a half before the NHL draft gets underway and a good month before the Stanley Cup comes to an end. So we got to kill some time here. Um, so I, I've got a few questions I want to throw your way, Tyson, about the Winnipeg Jets and the offseason here. Essentially, what would we do? What do we think the team does? All that sort of a stuff. So are you game to get on the hot seat here with me and let's answer a couple cues? Let's Beauty. get it. Well, let's, um, I guess let's just get number one out of the way first, because that's what Chevy's going to have to do. What's the number one order of business for the Winnipeg Jets? Figure out what Connor Hallibuck wants to do. <laughs> that's number yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, you, you probably want to know what, what his deal is. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, like it's just, he holds all the keys, right? Like if he says that he wants to say that it, I think your approach shifts from more of a rebuild to a retool just because you can't have a Hall of Fame level goalie in his prime and just waste those years away. I do think that you should be cautious with, with building the team because you do want to have that longer sustained success with Hellebuck and Net down the road. But I think that that's you can still you can still add prospects and picks and still also build the forward group up a little bit too this offseason with the amount of assets that you have. So I think you figure out what he wants to do if he's on board retool pick up some younger guys some reclamation pro, pro, uh, projects some prospects and then a first or first couple seconds add those picks and kind of speed up a little bit of a retool and then but if he says hey i want to win a cup now i i don't like our team's chances these next three years then it's full tear down baby you gotta you full gotta tear get, down i i think so oh mama okay <laughs> well I like it. I'm going to keep that one on the back burner then. We might we might uh, save that for a little bit later. Uh, for me, I mean, finding out what Hellebug wants to do is, I mean, that that's massive. It's going to completely change quite possibly the trajectory of the entire franchise um, for, for better or for worse. There's no doubt about that. And that's, for me, that's kind of like 1B because I got something that's a little more of precedence. And I think... And I've made mention to this before, so, you know, pardon me if it, it sounds like a broken record over here. But to me, the first order of business for the Winnipeg Jets, if they ever want to truly turn the page and truly eliminate some of the off-ice, semi-on-ice issues that have plagued this team over the last several years, to me, it's going full Bill Garrett in the Minnesota Wild and parting ways with Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. That, to me, is step number one. Not, do we keep them to the deadline? Not, do we move one and keep the... Uh, no. It's not It's not even, to me, just let's kick, the, kick them down the road and whatever happens. You've got to find a way, even if it hurts in the short term, to move on from both of these players. Now, Blake Wheeler, obviously, is going to be the reason that it might hurt in the short term, buyout retaining trade whatever it is but to me it, it, it really doesn't matter this team is not going to go anywhere we know we know what the ceiling of this group is with those two forming the basis of the leadership core whether or not wheeler has a c on and i think you know listening to him talk at the end of uh, year meetings there it's still a large part blake wheeler's room there right like there was there was an air of 
you know, Wheeler was almost kind of being the spokesperson for the players, if that makes any sense. And I and I get taking the C off was maybe step one in that, but to me, you, there's just no more half measures here. We we need a new we need a new room here in Winnipeg, and you can't fully have a new leadership group take over with those players still there. And so for me, before anything else even takes place, it's got to be, you know, a, a gracious, but a let go of Blake Wheeler, either buyout or trade. I don't really care, but it has to happen one way or the other. And Mark Shifley has to be moved before the NHL draft as well. And then from there, we can start to build out the team however it needs to be built. Um, whether that is, let's reload, retool, and try to be competitive this year. Or maybe alongside a Hellebuck deal, it becomes a full-on complete rebuild and we kickstart a new era of the Winnipeg Jets. But to me, that's got to be number one. You, you can't you can't get this team going in a new direction with the same old people trying to pull their weight here. And I think once that happens, we can set a new level of standard here in Winnipeg inside that locker room of this is what it takes to be elite and this is what we need to do to reach that. And it's got to be your best players doing that. And if they don't do that night in, night out, then everybody else follows suit. I think that's what we've seen way, way too many times here in the city. And I think that's got to be step number one for me. And then after that, we figure out the situation of the rest of the group of the players here. Yeah. I mean, like I feel like this the beginning parts of this offseason is really figuring out what direction that you want this leadership group to go and who needs to be a part of that and yeah like you said you got to highlight the two the two key components of that the guys who have been around that for this team for majority of the seasons that they've been back in winnipeg and it's just time like there's, sometimes there's players that just run their course with teams and we're seeing that here in winnipeg and it's just time for a new look you that you need some sort of shake up in the locker room this year because it's too it's just too lax it's too relaxed it's too chill they just need a shake up here. And I think you're, you hit it dead on there. Let's move on then to question number two. Um, I mean, again, a, a pretty big one and in, in, in part will play into that, that first question that we asked there, but which R word are we leaning to Tyson retool rebuild or reload? And I know that reload and retool are basically the same words. <laughs> um, is this what I think I'm doing, or what the what the Jets? What Give I think the Jets are Both, if it's different. Well, if I if it was me, I would go rebuild. So you're shipping everybody out for for futures. I, I'm identifying like the core. I got to me. I'm not moving out a Connor or a Morrissey or an Ealers. Maybe an Ealers, depending on if he did, doesn't want to stick around here. That's up in the air but yeah i i'm i am going full rebuild just because you see this happen so many times with teams where it's like just the retool phase and how many teams actually fail during the retool because when for the most part when you're doing a retool it means you're losing a key contributor to your offense and those players for the most part rarely get replaced their production rarely gets replaced the year after or two years after and then maybe you start to see a guy kind of start to take off in his third year I just, to me, it's just you're kind of just kicking the can down the road. Like, I think, like, yeah, maybe you can make squeak in the playoffs with a couple times if you reload this season. But I'm just, I like going in the direction where what's the best way that we're going to win a Stanley Cup in the next, and like, what's the easiest way for us to win a cup? And I just don't think retooling 
is enough to get this team a cup in the near future. So I'm leaning towards more of a, a rebuild and let's kind of start to build this new nucleus that we can take forward. Well, I'm one of those people that thinks you can retool Tyson. And so once again, you're wrong here. (laughs) I I, I would lean towards retool. And I guess in a big part of that is that I'm doing whatever it takes to keep Connor Hellebuck here in Winnipeg and to try, try to convince him that this is a place that can be a winner sometime in the near future, hopefully, and a little bit long-term as well there. Um, and, and part of that, too, is just the fact, like I mentioned on Winnipeg Sports Talk, as a Flyers fan that's had to deal with the goaltending that we've had to deal with, anytime I have a high-end guy, yeah, pry him from my cold, dead hands. He's not, <laughs> yeah, he's not going, it might be, it might be very foolish, that contract, but I'm keeping him, but you got to try to grab him away from me. But I, I really do think, you know, and it's odd because the Winnipeg Jets are one of the rare teams that don't have a lot of recent playoff success, but they have a ton of high-end talent. That, that's the hard part of building a hockey team, is finding that high-end talent. The, the Jets have that. And while there's a very high likelihood that down the middle is going to be a major, major question mark for next season, it doesn't mean they can't go out there and find guys to replace some of the people that might be on their way out. But you're talking about having guys like a Norris-caliber defenseman, a potential 50-goal scorer, a potential point-per-game game-breaking winger, um, and then obviously a Hall of Fame, a guy that's on track to be a Hall of Fame goalie behind them. There, There's like there's a lot of talent here, and if you could just find a different mix of players, I think, then we might be onto something. And maybe my retool idea means this team takes a step back this upcoming year, and then really goes for it the year after that. I, I, I'm totally okay with that. But I don't think this is a situation where it's just, let's pick up first-round picks and prospects, and we're just going to punt this year down the road, pick up a top-10 selection, and we'll try to figure it out as we go here. I, I think there's enough talent that there can be a retool here, and this team can look a lot different but still be really, really competitive. But a Western Conference that's, you know, as it stands right now, is pretty pretty wide open with a lot of holes on some of these other contenders out there. Um, I'm just worried though about the willingness to commit, right? Like I just don't, I don't get a sense that there's this high urgency for these top players to commit. Then especially like you listen to Connor Hallibuck's end of season interviews, right? Like didn't sound like a guy that was overly like, Hey, I'm, I'm willing to stick it out here for a little bit. Like that's, that's what concerns me the most. Yeah. I mean, if he doesn't want to sign here long-term, you have to move him. I, I, I totally get that. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to just, you know, play possum here and let's just figure out what happens as we go along here. But even then, I mean, there, there's kind of a funny world where maybe not being over-reliant on high-end goaltending could be a boon for this team. You know, like you have to build your team a lot more efficiently that way. And we've seen teams move on from high-end goalies in the past as well. And, you know, maybe they can find a capable replacement for them. And, and maybe that might be enough. I don't know. But... There's no doubt if you move Hellebuck, you're going to get a pretty decent package back as well. So I, 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 I'm still going to maintain here that Hellebuck finds a way to stay either way, and the Jets can still build around him, Morrissey, Ehlers, and Connor, and then hope to hell that you nail a couple of trades this offseason as well. Uh, let's move on. we got a couple more questions here before we wrap up the episode. It's, I, I, I guess we'll do this before we get to the last one, just because we're talking about the the the, the main guys in this roster right now. But let's call them the core four. 
the four guys that have their contracts coming to an end at the end of this year. Wheeler, Dubois, Shifley, and Hellebuck. Which of those players do you think the Jets could keep and potentially move at the deadline as opposed to trading them right now if they didn't want to re-up in Winnipeg? Is, is, there, is there a member of the four there that you could look at and say, maybe hold it on to them and see how things go might make more sense as opposed to just shipping them out right now? I probably wouldn't do this, but I could see Wheeler. I could see that happening with Wheeler for sure. And I just, I guess maybe Dubois too, but I I just, I don't know. I, I don't like having a guy on your team where it's like, I'm just looking forward to the trade deadline. And that that's sort of what irks me about keeping them throughout into the season is that I just don't like that level of commitment on a team, especially when you're plan- you're, like, you're pretty much punting the season then, like admitting that, hey, we're just going to trade this top-line center in February and, and move on then. I think it's better to do it now in the offseason. And, and I also think you can get a better return even at the, in, in the offseason. I think when you get down to, to the trade deadline, sometimes teams balk at, at parting with some of those higher-level picks. And a lot of times the picks that you're getting aren't going to be great picks either. So I like I like going in the offseason, attacking a package that you like, and then maybe you get lucky with a first-round pick there. I'm going to disagree once again, Tyson. And I, I, I do think it's PLD. I think if you play this a certain way, and it is awfully risky, and I don't even know if I would want to go down this route. But if, say, the team moved on from Shifley, Wheeler, and Hellebuck, for example, and it was a package of futures for all those guys so the team isn't going to be in you know insanely competitive this year you could in a contract year as he heads into ufa for the first time absolutely pump the value through the roof of this guy play him 22 minutes a night you want to stay out on the power play the whole goal be my guest you could take whatever you want you know what i mean and there's a chance that, especially with that carrot dangling of a big payday for him, that he comes out and has a 70-point and 60-game start to the season. And teams might get intoxicated by the allure of the total package that he brings to the table when he wants to. But the total package that he brings to the table, I think you get an absolute bonanza at the trade deadline. Um is that the best way to go about it? I don't know. But I think if I had to pick one of the four guys to keep here, I think I think that's the way I would go about it. Um, I, I I don't know if that's going to be the case. I mean, we'll see. We'll see again. We'll see which, if, if Chevy's going to lean on what he said at the, at the end of the year presser and everything like that. But I do imagine we see a, a fair amount of change this offseason still. But, I mean, if you wanted to play the slow game there, he would have a ton of value, and there's no no doubt about it. He would be the number one piece available at the trade deadline. And we saw what Timo Meyer went for. I think PLD might be able to surpass that if he has a monster start to the season. That's a big F, but it's big F. It's true. It's big F. I don't think it's gonna happen anyways, but it's a big F. Uh one last thing here, Tyson. And this is kind of a fun one. I guess it's kind of a negative still, but what would be the underrated point of weakness with the Winnipeg Jets that you would like to see fixed or altered or changed this upcoming season slash off season? What's an area of the team that nobody's really mentioning all that much 
that needs to get a bit of a overhaul if they want to get back to where they've been in the past. I think you're number two, number three, and number four D men. Oh, that's it. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like, like re- reshaping that top four of your defense a little bit. I, I just, you look at it on paper, man, and it's just not good enough. Like, you're just not going to win a cup with that decor. I'm sorry. You know, even like Neil Pionk had a couple, have a couple great games in the playoffs, but for the large parts of the season, he was, he struggled mightily. Brandon Dillon, the guy that's getting up there in age, and he has a very limited ceiling for what he can provide your team. Nate Schmidt, I thought he played, he had some good moments at the beginning, like for the first half of the season, and then he kind of started to taper off a bit. Dylan Sandberg, of course, I think in, injecting him into the top four is a nice little boost. But I think grabbing a guy that can, Dylan DeMello played his role well, but I think if you could get another, and of course, it's so hard to grab these kind of defensemen, but if you can grab a demon that could play with Josh Morrissey, that's that's got a little higher level than Dylan DeMello. Like a guy that can still create some offense on his own. And he's not just kind of sort of a one dimensional, get the puck in, get the puck on net sort of thing. Like I think overhauling that top four and just adding a little more, a little more juice to it could really help this team. First off, how dare you with this DeMello slander? I will not stand for it. Um, secondly, I love that. The underrated point of weakness is we just have to fix the two, three, four, five defensemen on the team. And I say that because I completely agree with you. That is the point that nobody's talking about with this team. I, I, I'm kind of in a similar vein, but for me, it's more so the club needs to find a way to move on from two of these players Brendan Dillon, Neil Pionk, and Nate Schmidt. I'm not going to throw DeMello in there just because, for me, a right-handed defenseman that's capable of playing top four that makes $3 million is extremely hard to find. Like, I don't know if I want to move on from that. I, I know he's got some deficiencies in his game, but uh, I don't know. I wouldn't want to move on from him either. I was just like, just mean like I want – an upgrade. I like Dylan DeMello on the second or third pairing. And then you really build a deeper decor, especially on the right side. Yeah. And I, I think we're in agreement though, that if you can find a way to, to supercharge your, your second pair with Morrissey DeMello up there as your first, you're, you're in a great spot. If, if you're the, if you're the jets there. So I think that's gotta be kind of a sneak. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about, you know, the three guys up front and Hellebuck ad nauseum and, and for good reason, but man, you look at the recent Stanley cup winners and they've got, They've got a couple stud defensemen on there. Then a few guys that are, you know, borderline top pair quality as well. And we just don't have that right now in Winnipeg. Um, I mean, I saw somebody say Neil Pionk, you know, who he did play great in the playoffs and down the stretch as well. Um, but say that, you know, a lot of his poor play this season was because of injury. Well, he was injured all of last year too. Maybe that's a reason to move on from him if he's injured and can't yeah. perform at a high enough level. But especially with the cap hit of, I guess, Pionk too, but also Dylan and Schmidt, they're pretty much giving you third pair value right now. And so to sink $10 million between those two, that, that you, you got to find a way to move on from that. I don't think you have to, re- I mean, maybe with Schmidt, you might have to retain. With Dylan, I think you can move, move on from him and, you know, probably find a taker or two. I think Dylan is... The guy that out of those three, Pionk and Schmidt, that I wouldn't mind keeping around as a third pair guy. I think that that's not bad. But especially Nate Schmidt, if you could find a taker for him, that would be huge. 
I mean, not only to bring in new blood here in Winnipeg, but to give some of these young guys a chance. Like, there's legit talent here in Winnipeg. I think Dylan Sandberg gets a shot on the second pair this year. I think he's worthy of it and, and deserves a chance. I think Declan Chisholm's a lot more NHL ready than maybe a lot of people might give him credit for. And if Billy Hadel is still kicking around, it wouldn't wouldn't hurt to give him a handful of games as well. <laughs> and especially, and, and this is where we touched on this a little bit a few weeks back, Tyson, but if you want to be a draft and develop team, which the Jets, by their nature, like absolutely mandatory that they have to be, part of drafting and developing is giving your draftees a chance to develop at the NHL level. They can't do that if there's a logjam of veterans taking over four, five, six spots inside your defense core. That's got to be a big part that you know that you're an organization that's willing to let their young guys play. And that needs, I think, to be a bit of an overcorrection, specifically on the back end here in Winnipeg. Because it would be one thing if Dylan and Schmidt were giving you legit second pair value. And it's like, uh, the kids can't supplant that just yet. But I I don't know. I think they can. And I think Dylan Sandberg already has. And I don't know about you, but I'm crazy high on Chisholm. I, I think he's going to be a bit of a bit of a beauty for this team. Not even in the future, but I think as soon as next year as well, if if they want to give him a bit of a look there. So I thought he was ready this year, to be honest. He might have been, yeah. Yeah, he might have been. But I, I think that's gotta be and it's it's pretty daunting when you think about it, Tyson, that we you know we're both in agreement there. But that means there's the potential for Dubois, Shifley, Wheeler, Hellebuck, two defensemen. <laughs> All, all being moved down the span of a couple, you know what I mean? Sounds like a full teardown. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what it is, but like that's just so much. It's it's possible, but like I, I I want I one of my concerns is that you almost get there's like so much to do that you you kind of you know just by nature you have to neglect something else there. I wonder if that happens with the blue line to an extent, and that. There's so many other big ticket things that have to happen. You take care of that first, and there might not be enough time to fix the rest of it. But yeah, I think we're both in agreement here. The blue line would be a sneaky nice place to to add a pretty decent amount of improvement there, and I think it could be done. I, I don't know who the guys are just yet, but there's no doubt about it that we see each off season a few high quality defensemen switch teams that nobody saw coming, and it would be nice for the Winnipeg Jets to get in on that train after missing the Jacob Chikrin Express over the last couple of seasons there. Uh, But that's where we'll end this episode here. Again, I didn't want to go too far into the specifics of every single player and every single big decision to make. We will start to do that, though, coming up next week. And one of the things we'll do as well, just because somebody tweeted at me, a loyal Skates and Plates listener. So I want to pull up the the account here so I can make sure to give this guy some props, but he had a great idea. And I did something like this last off season, which was crazy because I was doing it by myself. It took me like 15 hours of a 24 hour day to, to, to put it together there. Um, but it was Dino 50 Dino 50. Uh, thanks for the idea, man. But he mentioned um, a what if style podcast episode. Um, and so I think what we'll do as we move forward here is, you know, to start off the week, we might do maybe something more specific, a certain player, certain area for the Jets to target and improve on. 
And then maybe on Friday, we'll do a, a series of what if episodes. And, and Dino's suggestion was um, exploring some of Chevy's options and how they'd pan out if the team went down that route, i.e. retool, rebuild, reload. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of the what ifs, like the Marvel what ifs. And I saw a Harry Potter what if. I'm a nerd, so whatever. Um, <laughs> but I, I think they're fun and people had fun with them. Uh, last well, year when I did it as well, so and this is just a little one. Well, just a little tidbit at the yeah. You know, was this the Shifley trade you wanted to touch on? No, I'll save that one. I got, I got a, I got a nice Shifley trade that I will save for the the more specific. Can you one. give me a team at least? Detroit. Okay, 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 okay. All right, go ahead. But you know, we saw. I, I can't remember who posted this the other day, but they did say that there was another team that was in on Oliver Bjorkstrand and. Things seem to fall through. And I wonder if that was a team based in Manitoba that missed out on them. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. The Blue Bombers trying to pull. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I saw that too. I don't know if I, I don't know if I buy that necessarily. You don't have to. It sounds like more to. of a Flyers thing. Because they made it seem like the team screwed around too much. That sounds like Chuck <laughs> Fletcher, like not getting the trade papers in. Like that—that's what that sounds like. I, I don't know if that was the. I could be wrong, but that, jam that the would, machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, like, how do I unjam this stupid thing? Oh, Chuck! What the Chuck? Um, I'm gonna pretend it's like that because that upsets me. If if the Jets had a chance at Bjork Strait and, and couldn't find a way to get that one done. Uh, but yeah, so that's how we'll kind of take over the next uh, couple of weeks of episodes. Uh, early in the week, you'd expect maybe a more uh, traditional breakdown of to-dos and not to-dos for the Jets this offseason. And then we'll do a few different what-ifs on Friday to close out the week. If you guys have any other what-if ideas surrounding the Winnipeg Jets, we'd love to hear them as well. And we could just make this a, a thing throughout the rest of the summer. And we'll have some fun with it. Um but yeah, that's how we'll go about it over the next little while. Plenty to get into and plenty of time to do so. Um, until then, though, we'll leave it there. And we'll thank you, listeners, once again for tuning into Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us once again. We'll get back at it to kick off next week on Tuesday morning. Continue our off-season preview talk. And then we'll get into our first what if of the 2023 offseason on Friday. Until then, though, you guys, have a great, safe, happy weekend. Enjoy the great weather. Hit the links if you can, and we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. Peace.